0: bald men on campus is presented by quickbooks
1: new business no problem success starts with the do it quickbooks learn more at quickbooks.com
2: that's quickbooks.com
1: bald men on campus with jay billis LaFonzo ellis and seth greenberg
0: welcome to bald men on campus i am seth greenberg joined by jay billis and lafonso ellis and i'm the only one who understood that this is like the ncaa tournament you got to get dressed up for the ncaa tournament you put a sport coat on put a tie on look professional i know jay billis is big into the quarter zips he thinks he's going out playing 18 holes Fons is wearing a hat today because his hair is a little bit sloppy i on the other hand understand the value of you know the tournament so you know you got to treat the tournament a little differently than
2: regular season and you know what you, you actually tri- you're actually yes? dressed like a defendant
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> want to know how quickly you're leaving this podcast today Jingles, <laughs> and, and getting to the range and hitting balls that's the big I would-
2: I would love to but uh, today i have as all of us do a myriad of radio interviews from all over the country uh for, because because my phone number is out there so uh, which i enjoy i enjoy doing the radio interviews but uh but there's a long list of them today
0: well <laughs> speaking of long list uh let's get to the tournament not only are they
1: bald and beautiful Ball! have very large brains Quick smart. it's time for knowledge gained all
0: right look a lot of stuff to unpack this past weekend what's your guys just right off the top first thing biggest takeaway from an incredible first weekend of,
2: of college basketball and the NCAA tournament Jay? well for me it, it was the the quality there were two things the quality of competition uh, and and for those who somehow don't remember, uh, from, from past history, no team is going to win a championship without getting really tested, uh, like Arizona did against uh, TCU or n- name all name, all the games where, where teams have been tested okay. and we're going to have contenders fall out and all that. And we're going to have uh, St. Peter, St. Peter's. Um, and it seems like we have one of those every, every couple years, if not every year. But this year we've got, thir- in the Sweet 16, we've got 13 major conference teams. Gonzaga, which you have to say, uh, operates like a major. Houston, which is going into the Big 12. And St. Peter's from the MAC. St. Peter's is the only mid-major that's left in um, in the Sweet 16. So it's really been, and the, and the double-digit seeds are, are, with the exception of St. Peter's, the double-digit seeds are all power conference teams, power five. And so we, we've seen, sort of the 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 big guys a few of them slipped on banana peels but we've seen the big guys get through uh to the to the sweet 16 and the second part is these games have been hockey games not basketball games um the the physicality i mean i've talked to a bunch of coaches uh that, that, that have played already and it's not just the tournament it's been going on all year long but but i expect the tournament to be cleaner and it's not that this has been wrestling and, and rugby and hockey
1: Yeah, for me, uh, as you talk about the uh, major conference teams, Jay, uh, obviously the ACC was the weakest of them all. And to actually have us be in the SWIC 16 now with three. Uh, teams representing the ACC. And, and with if Notre Dame would have been able to take care of the basketball and knock down a couple of uh, free throws late, could have had four of those five teams. Uh, it doesn't always go back, back to it. Notre Dame. Finals. I'm just saying. Yeah, my guys didn't make the double tournament for four years. They get back, went two games, almost a third. This is a big deal. But uh, right. most- Duke, Miami. And uh, I, I, if if I had to say one that no one was really expecting, it would have been Miami. And they played their tails off. And to have three of those teams in the Sweet 16 uh, yeah. uh, in a conference that w- was pretty weak this year and not great expectations of the ACC going into the NCAA tournament, it's pretty special.
0: Yeah, I think probably mine was, you know, besides the obviously St. Saint, Saint Pete, is kind of just fascinating to me because, you know, and I understand, look, the major conferences, the teams that we expect, like Michigan, it's not a surprise. I mean, it is a mm-hmm. surprise. It's not a surprise. But Michigan, you know, they had to play their way in, basically, that last five games without Juwan Howard. They had to play their way in. They did that. But if you look at their roster, their roster preseason, we thought that team was going to be, you know, a, a top-ten team. I mean, we looked at it. They had a great recruiting class. They had, obviously, Eli Brooks coming back. They had Hunter Dickinson coming back. Everyone thought they were going to be good. The St. Peter's thing. To me, it's just so much fun because and I, I've been joking about it, but those dudes are just balling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they're just they're just hooping like, like they uh, I said this yesterday. They could be playing on West 4th Street. They could be playing at the Rutgers. <laughs> they could be playing shirts and skins. I mean, to me, that's that's obviously the magic of, of the tournament. Now, Obviously, dealing with Purdue, it's a, it's a different animal. But, you know, who cares? My big takeaway was the SEC has not performed. And the SEC, I thought all season long, was really good. I mean, really good. And uh, excluding Arkansas, everyone's gone. And you could say, well, LSU had a coaching change. Obviously, Kentucky was unfathomable, really. I mean, if you want to just say it the way it is. But the SEC uh, uh, underperformed in relation to what they did in their preseason. And they underperformed in relation to what maybe – our expectation was for them uh, so uh it still it's, it it still comes down to who you play style of play can you impose your identity because the teams that are winning are imposing their identity on the game i mean and and that's and that's the way it is let's just get uh, let's get
1: hey, into Seth, a couple hey of games. Seth, when yeah. you were talking about sec w- would you agree or disagree i know everybody kind of made a big deal about kentucky losing but I actually thought the biggest one was Auburn because I thought they had a greater level of expectation and Miami just absolutely dismantled uh, Auburn. And so, uh, you know, we've been saying for a long time that I, I had a love-heat relationship with the guards of uh, Auburn and, uh, and and that showed up to a degree. But uh, the, the, the bigs, I mean, Walker Kessler going 0 for 6 in the game where they clearly had a tremendous size advantage. And if I remember correctly, I'm trying to think, Jabari Smith was, what, 2 of 13? Am I getting there? 5 of 13? Yeah. Those lines? And so I thought the bigger story, though Kentucky is the blue blood, uh, Auburn, which everyone was talking about, uh, being a number one seed. And like I said, uh, (laughs) Isaiah Wong had himself his own personal party Against uh Auburn so I thought that was the the, the bigger story uh, of, of how the SEC underperformed versus Kentucky well, see I, Identity.
2: Thought, I thought Auburn look Auburn was not playing well at the end of the season yeah and they were playing against a team in Miami that was playing really well at the end of the mm-hmm. season and that provided them and provides a ton of teams with really bad matchups so Auburn did they underperform yes. The real screw up of the SEC was Kentucky. Like, come on, the other <laughs> the other two seeds won by twenty in their games, and Kentucky lost in overtime to St. Peter's. And look, I'm not taking anything away from St. Peter's. They won, mm-hmm. and and they're good. And Case, uh, you know, Casey and Defoe is a great defender. He reminds you of yeah. EJ Liddell the way he blocked shots. He's very good. But come on, man, like when we start talking about St. Peter's is as good as this team or as good as Kentucky or as good as this other team. They're playing really well. But nobody ever asked, like, how did you lose 11 games in your league? You know, nobody ever asked that. Kentucky screwed up and they're they're, they played really poorly. They weren't prepared for a fight and they got beat. That's why the SEC is, and look, Tennessee lost to, to Michigan. But to me, that's a, that, I thought Michigan, that's a fair fight between those agreed, two. Agreed. Michigan was not an 11 seed. There, there, there's a reason why three of these double digit seeds are power five schools is because they made them middle conference power five teams. And you could argue there were some misseedings there. And that's why we have that. But, you know, you remember the days when double digit seeds were like smaller conference teams? You know that that's that's not happening now, and or at least this year, and and you could argue the last couple of years, but but when the SEC wants to point at why we didn't perform well, life would look a lot different if they had two in the Sweet Sixteen, and it would be you know Kentucky is the biggest culprit there, and and again St. Peter's played great. But mm-hmm. even if they play great, they don't win if Kentucky plays, if they, if they show Kentucky up, Kentucky
0: makes if, if Kentucky makes it, they won for six in overtime. I mean, the game shouldn't have went to overtime. You know, I, you know, quite honestly, I'm not sure. Look, it's easy to say they weren't prepared. They just play. <laughs> let's feel Let's call it the way it is. Uh, they, you know, I mean, St. Pete went, went that matchup zone and they, they didn't, they didn't get the offense forever. Uh, mm-hmm. That was, that was absolutely awful. Uh, you know, we've talked about Kellen Grady uh, at the end of the season was not playing well, wasn't making shots, and he continued not make shots. I said Ty, Ty Ty Washington did not play well, couldn't get by the defenders mm-hmm. of St. Petersburg. I mean, that's sacrilegious. I mean, Oscar Shiboy, he was surely ready. I mean, he was a, he was dominant in that game, but uh, the perimeter game of of Kentucky mm-hmm. didn't show up. Playing it simple. And then at the end of the game, you got your best free throw shooters on the line and, and they're not making free throws. Not shouldn't have come down to that. Probably not. But I mean, you can't take anything away from, from St. Peter. St. Pete's guards outplayed yes. the Kentucky guards. And you know what? It sounds silly. And you know, again, I, I, I joke around city guards, man, those guys didn't give a crap. Like, you know like, what, like but, uh, but, uh, what's it called is 10 times better, 10 times better. But those guys didn't, they didn't give a crap about, what they guys were rated how much money they are
2: making in NIL. And, and, and look, nobody is trying to take anything away from St. Peter's one. We can't take anything away because they're in the sweet 16. Mm-hmm. The, the, the point is, and maybe, maybe younger people who listen to this, you know, listen to us. Idiots might not resonate with this, but you guys remember when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. Yeah. All right. Buster Douglas was not the better fighter. No, was not. Um, Mike Tyson did not perform in that game, and Buster Douglas won. And all credit to him, he was heavyweight champion. But but that didn't make him a better fighter. And when teams there there are certain things in this tournament where where the better team does not win. They didn't they, they're the better team, they didn't perform in that game. And and that we were talking about the SEC. Like, do I think if 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 Auburn played Miami in early February do I think Miami would have beat him I don't I do not right. but right. right now right now Miami's playing better mm-hmm. and they're on a high and they are a difficult matchup for Auburn and Auburn has not been playing well but but w- we kind of saw that coming like I don't know that none of us picked them for the final four did we no Auburn no, yeah. no I actually had okay. Auburn.
1: You guys know I had Auburn losing to Miami because I thought that was a bad matchup
2: yeah. See, I, I had, I had them getting by Miami, but losing after that, they just weren't, they just weren't playing, playing well in, in all of our views, but, but none of us had Kentucky going out this early. We all had them at least in the sweet 16 elite eight. I had them in the final four. Uh, uh, so, you know, you know, th- th- this, this, this was an upset. And so when the sec looks at how did we only get one team in uh, to the sweet 16, it's because. Our big shots didn't didn't perform the way they were supposed to, and number one on that hit list is Kentucky.
0: I got a question: If you had Buster Douglas getting into podcast for two hundred dollars, you are a winner. (laughs) 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 I mean, I mean, I have to tell us that was a good one right there. That was a good one. I mean, I mean, Buster. I mean, that was that was pretty good. I have to admit, Bill, he showed a wide range of sports, you know,
2: knowledge. Very, very- I love boxing. I, I don't love it anymore, but I used to love it. I mean, I was addicted to it. And the best fights ever were uh, Alexis Arguello and uh, Aaron Pryor. But when those two guys fought, man, that was awesome. And that was like the NCAA tournament.
0: Now, to throw in Manila, when Seth Greenberg's at Fairleigh Dickinson, Harvard on the Hackensack, sitting in a lounge chair in an outdoor movie theater with about 8,000 other people, semi out of his mind. That was a good fight now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was the Mike Tyson era. when college and we would invite uh, my wife and uh, her mom would allow us to be able to bring our my teammates over and we'd have popcorn and pizza and all that stuff. And unfortunately, most of Mike Tyson's fights ended in the first round. <laughs> exactly. F- paid all Fons, that money Fons. and then
2: Michael Spinks is out, you know, out of the ring in the first round.
0: Yes. Fonce, who watches a fight with their wife and their mother-in-law? Me
2: and my, all my teammates. Yeah, my wife and my mother-in-law start the fights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My wife finishes him. <laughs> Other games in in, in in the first round that, you know, kind of, to me, North Carolina hmm. playing, you know, talk about playing well at the end of the season. North Carolina, R.J. Davis with the ball in his hands makes the game easier for Caleb Love, Brady Maddock, Armando Baycott, and 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 the Carolina team. Hubert Davis more empowering him saying almost like handing him the keys to the car has made him better, I think, defensively. And you saw it you saw that in in the Baylor game. Everyone fouls out. RJ Davis, another Ooh. New York City city guard, by the way, uh Stepenak High School, he showed a their team like, none of us thought that thing went in overtime. I don't know if you. I, was, in my mind, I'm going, oh, man, Baylor just being Baylor coming back. You know, Scott Drew pumping his fist. Here we go. <laughs> and, and like, to me, R.J. Davis was not going to allow that team to lose. But the way that Carolina is playing with the number one seed, and we'll get into this later, and and obviously the number two seed, God, because Carolina obviously beat the number one seed. So the manner in which they're playing, and I really believe of all the things Hubert did, they they, look, they run beautiful offense, and they run mm-hmm. a lot of NBA sets and great spacing. They've gotten tougher. But the move to R.J. Davis saying, dude, the ball's in your hands. or "Cal, you're going to play off the ball. I think has been brilliant. Of all the coaching moves to get to this point, I think that's about as good a coaching move as there has been made of any coach in the tournament. What do
1: you guys think? And, hey, Seth, he, he's, he's done a tre- tremendous job with how – uh, the the off-ball movement uh, on the offensive end, and I said, and I said to you guys uh, over the weekend, it, it's interesting because uh, Brady Manning. When you think of him, everyone thinks about his inability to guard and inability to move his feet, and etc. But he's the perfect complement for Amando Baycott. They, they run that pick and pop action for him, or that high low action. He's obviously knocking down threes at a high clip. You know, in their last five wins, he's averaging like twenty-three points a game, shooting fifty percent. From the three-point line, on three made uh, threes per game, and 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 he's so patient, so tall, looking for Baycott on that high-low uh, action. And then on the defensive end, I said this to you guys this weekend too. Something I hadn't seen uh, all season long. If you're trying, most teams try to reverse the basketball through their fours and fives because fours and fives defensively tend to lay off. But uh, for whatever reason, they were trying to reverse that ball through their guards. Leaky Black. Uh, Caleb Love, those guys were up and in the passing lane and not allowing them to reverse the basketball, keeping that basketball on one side. And so I've seen offensive improvement, and I agree with you, Seth. it's, It's beautiful the way they run offense, but the attention to detail on the defensive end and the moxie that they're showing on that side of the floor. North Carolina's playing at a really high level on both ends of the floor. Yeah, Carolina's a different team than
2: they were two months ago. And I think it started you know, it was probably right after they lost to Pittsburgh at home. I think Hubert Davis had told his team, you know, it's time to, to plant our feet, hold our ground and fight, fight back. I think was the, the words he used. I remember him saying that before the the last home game at, at, uh, at Duke. And what, what was interesting to me was in the Baylor game, the the first half, probably the first 30 minutes of the game, you know, it was like Carolina was clubbing baby seals. You know, they were killing them, and they were on their way to a thirty-point laugher. You know, putting the the walk-ons in at the end of the game type of game. And then when Brady Manic uh, got the the flagrant two and got mm-hmm. tossed, one, it was the exact same scenario as the Buddy Beheim thing in the ACC tournament when the referees didn't look at the at the replay. They should have tossed Beheim out with an F two, and that would have been the end of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he got suspended an extra game because it wasn't handled right by the officials. So this one was handled right. Um, you know, even Gene Sterator said he thought it was an F1 and then they gave it an F2. They agreed with the F2. Um, <laughs> but so he got thrown out and then Caleb Love fouled out. So now all of a sudden Carolina goes from from coasting to a, what would have been a 30 point win with the way they were playing to they better just hang on. And Baylor started pressing, and I was I, I was so impressed that that they won that thing in overtime. The sort of the athletic character and Dontre Styles comes into the game and, and scored nine points. They That's don't great. win without that guy. Like right. like R.J. Davis was the hero, and and rightfully so. Armando Bacot was fan, you know fantastic and did, made some great plays. And, and wound up grabbing 16 rebounds in that game, but they don't win that thing without Dontre Styles. And I thought it said a lot about their team that they were able to bow up and win a game that, that I'm not sure anybody thought they were gonna win once it went to overtime. That, that was really impressive. Styles
0: three, that first three, the overtime was absolutely huge. I'll give you another team that's interesting. Iowa State has not lost a game outside the Big 12 Conference. Right. They have not lost a game outside the Big 12 Conference. And if you look at Iowa State and you look at Texas Tech, obviously they're built on the defensive end. They keep you on one side of the floor, they're extremely physical. But Iowa State won two games a year ago. They went into the portal, they got winning players, not just choir talent, but they got guys that fit what obviously TJ was trying to do with his team. Iowa State now plays a Miami team, and we're going to get into the matchups. I don't want to get into the matchups. We'll get into the matchups uh, at, later. But Iowa State, besides St. Peter's, surprised or saying, you know what? I mean, they got as high as, I think, sixth in the country preseason until yes. they got the Big 12. Hmm. And the Big Twelve's done really well in the tournament. Is Iowa State's success just a reflection that maybe the Big 12 was the most competitive league in college basketball and style of play again? Becomes a factor. You don't see, in most in most leagues, you don't see people as sideline-oriented as the Big 12, whether it's Baylor, whether it's Iowa State, whether it's Texas Tech. I mean, the league is filled with teams that really, really keep you on one side of the floor and make it hard to get to the middle third of the floor. What do you guys think?
1: Well, I think in the first round they they played against an LSU team that was', it was almost like the perfect team for them to play against because LSU is – now, Iowa State's turned that thing over a lot in the uh, conference season, and so I was concerned about that fact going into the game against LSU because LSU struggles on the half court, but they turn you over, and they're, they're really good at scoring off of their defense, but uh, the, and, and I think that played into Iowa State's hands is, to your point, Seth, they keep everything on the side and, and I thought that, especially in their last game, the only thing that they've been missing is a consistent jump shooter from the outside. And Gabe Kausher obviously had a reputation of being an elite level shooter when he went to Minnesota. It didn't, he shot it well his rookie, his freshman year, but it didn't work out that way the last couple of years. But then all of a sudden, that dude was able to knock down some shots. And I thought that gave them a little bit more freedom on the offensive end because most defense is going to be keying on Isaiah Brockington. And so that's a great story, to your point. Two games won last year and they find themselves in the Sweet 16. TJ Olsenberg has done a phenomenal job with that program. But I do think that getting outside of the Big 12, uh, of teams who really know every move that you're gonna make has been really beneficial for Iowa for Iowa
2: State and they're really dangerous. They're good they're really good defensively, but you know they, they got there were two things. One, I agree with Fonz, well both of you, that they got a great matchup going against LSU in the first round. And I don't know what you guys picked, but I, you know, I, I had Iowa State there. Um they were and they were a little bit fortunate, honestly, that Chucky e. Hepburn got hurt against yes. Wisconsin. I mean I like Iowa your, State Iowa point. State shot 34% against Wisconsin and one. Um <laughs> wait, wait the the only th- the only thing worse was Arkansas shot 27% in their second round game against New Mexico State and won. <laughs> 14
0: field goals made.
2: That's impossible. Um, <laughs> so so you know, but but I would say I think they were three of fourteen. So in the first round, they get a they get a great game from Tyrese Hunter. That's tw- what do you have twenty-three? Yeah and then, right. and then seven then yeah, in the second round, you know, Gabe Coucher went ten of nineteen, if I if I remember right. And they they go on and win that game. But you know, Chucky Hepburn was hurt. Uh Wisconsin shot an inexplicable twenty-nine percent, even even open shots. Like they got exposed a little bit, and then Johnny Davis was what was he? Four of fifteen or four of sixteen? Yeah. They shot a bunch of free throws, but that was it. And still, you know, they won, scoring fifty-four points. I mean that that is that's going to be tough going forward. They're good, but but are they Final Four good? Championship good? No. Uh, I would fall short of that, and I would also fall short of of too many conclusions on um, you know leagues. Like I, I don't think the ACC was as good as the SEC this year. Right. But, yeah. but if I were the ACC, I would crow about this. Now I yes. would say, aha, oh, yeah, you know, because of all, all of us idiots that take facile interpretation and, and just go with, with this easy thing of saying eh, three teams, you're the better league. It doesn't work that way. But um, you know, last year, the big 10, I still think was the best league. They just, they sucked in the tournament. Right. And, uh, and, and the, this year it was the SEC. Like, you know, it's like the same Buster Douglas argument, like, we can sit and say St. Peter's played better than Kentucky. They won. They're not better than Kentucky. They won that one, though. But they're not better. And that same thing with leagues. I
0: agree. And i'll I'll finish I'll finish this thing up with
2: this thing. Last five minutes of the uh, Michigan
0: State Duke game mm-hmm. was the best five minutes in terms of championship DNA I've seen from from Duke all season. Five minutes of active alert defense, contesting shots, contesting passes, forcing turnovers, uh, imposing their length of athleticism on a game. And five minutes of Jeremy Roach's speed was a, a, an impact in the game. And then Paul Banker, he made two plays where he just absolutely bullied his way yes. to the basket. And they, I, they were, to me, tone setters. I thought that last five minutes, uh, and I know, you know, Coach K talked about it after the game that you know he's proud of his team. That last five minutes was the closest I've seen Duke in in a moment. Say be championship tough, uh, if that makes uh, any sense, and championship ready to to compete. Now, if they don't have an easy road, but I I thought that was a uh, that was the best five minutes of winning late game winning basketball. Uh, playing through who they had to play through and doing what they have to do defensively, uh, I thought that and not settling. I thought that was the best five minutes they played, uh, closing out a game this year.
2: I thought Duke was excellent in, in that game, and uh, and your point about Jeremy Roach is well taken. You know, he had 15 points, uh, uh, but but what Duke really did was they got into the lane and dominated the paint. I mean, yeah. at four, I think it was 44 28 in yeah. paint points. And, and yeah, they, they were, they were excellent and it was as good a, but, you know, they've made a couple of lineup changes. Jeremy Roach is starting now in place of Trevor mm-hmm. Peels. Uh They, you know, they all get starters minutes. I think uh, uh, coach K says, but um, it, it, I, I, I think Mark Williams is such a key to that team and mm-hmm. only the teams that can pull him away from the basket and put him into ball screen situations, and and get him out on the floor, and make them rotate a little bit. They're the only ones that are going to win. And, and Texas Tech, uh, they'll be able to guard Duke, and they'll make it physical, and it'll be a it'll be a brawl. But you know, fifty four points ain't going to beat Duke. They're going to have to score more.
1: Yeah. The thing I mentioned to you, Seth, that I, I've been wondering why it's been missing all year for Duke is. They responded to the pace of Michigan State. As you know, Michigan State don't make some misses, try to push that thing. And there were a couple times where Jeremy Roach took that and went coast to coast. Uh, Keels went coast to coast and able to get to the front of the rim. I'd actually like to see them play that way a little bit more. Puts a bit more pressure on a team's transition defense and puts them in position to be able to get some easy baskets and then they're grinding against the team's half-court defense uh, all night long. I I, I like that phase of the game. Yeah, you want to do that? Get stops. When you get Mm
0: stops, you can run. And if you you get stops, then all of a sudden you can use your athleticism. All right, that's our recap. Uh, We will uh, come back and we will talk to you guys about the games this coming weekend. The Sweet 16 preview by Baldwin on campus.